0: going to talk a little bit today about serving others and if you don't know me my name is Casey I've been here for a while but you may recognize me from my outstanding work in video announcements you too could be an award-winning movie star if you volunteer to do video announcements so there's always an opportunity I just want to share a little bit of my testimony today to start off. Um, I grew up about 45 minutes from the booming metropolis of Huron. And I went to the same school for pre-K through 12th grade. (laughs) Yeah, it was exciting. It was a big town. (laughs) And I had a maybe more awkward junior high than most people. (laughs) It was around the same time that I got my driver's license. My dad was driving truck for about six weeks at a time and would come home for a weekend every couple of months. And my mom took a job about three hours away and she would come home about every tenth day just to check on us, (laughs) make sure we were still alive. And I was the oldest. So the same time I got my driver's license, I got my name on a checking account so I could pay bills, so I could go to the grocery store. And it didn't take long with that kind of setup for my parents to also get divorced. And then I just started filling my life with all kinds of activities and doing all kinds of things. If there was anything that a girl was allowed to be in at at school, I was in it. I was in every sport. I was on the yearbook. I was in band. I was in choir. I was on the school paper. Anything, oh, drama. Yeah, anything that there was a thing to do, I did it. I was at school in the morning before most of the teachers. And I was at school until every practice of everything was over. And that's just how I lived my life. And before that point, um, it was my family's tradition that they would drop us off. My parents would drop us off at Sunday school and pick us up when it was over. We would get dropped off at VBS in the summer. We would probably go to a Christmas Eve service and an Easter service because those are like the two that God really cares about. You have to be at those or, you know, you're really in trouble, so we would hit those. But by the time I got to like fourth or fifth grade, and I had already been playing basketball since second grade, we had all these traveling tournaments and I would spend Friday night through Sunday afternoon at a tri-state tournament somewhere and pretty soon, the times that I showed up in Sunday school were fewer and farther between until it just was a thing that we no longer did anymore. So at one of these basketball games in this junior high awkward period, (laughs) um, I remember seeing two of my friends get up and leave the stands like really frantically. And after the game was over and I got home that night, I found out why. Their brother who was one of my classmates had shot himself and died that night. And uh, so the next day at school, we had a couple of priests from uh, a local church come and attempt to do counseling with my class. And they allowed us to write questions on a piece of paper and put them in this box and then they would answer questions that kids asked and then that way it was like secret and whatever. So someone asked, what do we have to do to go to heaven? Like I'm scared of dying, I, I wanna know. And the response of the priest was that well, you just live a good life and no one really knows. And then at the end, God will decide. But, you know, as long as you do more good things than bad things. And even though it had been a couple of years at this point before I was in Sunday school anywhere, like that bothered me. It actually made me really, really angry. And I pretty much toned out, like tuned out everything else that was said that day because I was just like mad. I was like, I don't know why, but I know that's not right. So I started taking myself to church. That lasted for a couple of months and then pretty soon it was more fun, again, just to cruise the loop with my friends and do all kinds of whatever I wanted because I was responsible all week. Of course, I, you know, had permission to not be (laughs) responsible on the weekend. And it was less than a year later, I had this babysitting job where I would babysit on Friday night after school until the parents got home and then I would go out with my friends all night and I would come back to their house at like 5 in the morning when the mom left for work and I would babysit all day probably with a hangover and just try to make it through the day so I could you know go back home again that night. And on one such day as this I get a phone call in the early afternoon on a Saturday another one of my classmates. Um, was killed in a farming accident. So this, of course, like super shook me. We just dealt with this, and why is this happening again? And it was going in alphabetical order, and my name was up next. Like there was nothing good that was going to come out of this for me. So I went back to church again, and this time, like I just sat in the back, and I was weeping and sobbing. I have no idea what was said at any point in the service, I was just having a conversation with God in my head and by the and I don't even like I mean it wasn't audible I just knew like Jesus was doing business with me in my own thought life and so I left that day knowing that Jesus died for me and I believed that and he was going to do something with my life and I walked out like feeling like a burden was lifted and completely like I was right with God and I never really changed from that or turned back from that. So part of why I was in everything and doing everything was to gain acceptance. And that is one of the things that changed. I went from, like, really, really caring what people thought to being, like, I kind of only care what God thinks. And I've waffled with that back and forth. But at that time, I was, like, really set in that. And um, up until that point, like, I always really, really cared what everybody thought. And that's why I felt like I had to do everything, because even though I was friends with people in like every single group at school that existed, because I was in every single group that existed, like I always felt like I was one bad day or one mistake away from getting kicked out. Like I was always on kind of the fringe or the outside looking in, and that's what it felt like. Whether that was reality or not, I don't really know, and it doesn't matter, but that's how I felt. And that so that's one thing that like instantly God changed. And... It changed my always doing things in order to gain acceptance to now I was doing things in order to make God known. That was the shift, the big shift that happened in that one day. So today we are going to talk about serving others, and serving others is God's mission for us to make space for other people. God is inviting us to partner with him in restoring what sin has broken, We could just make it a to-do list and things that we put on our schedule to do, 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 but that's not really what it's about. I'm just going to stop and give credit right here to two people, Marty Solomon and Mike Erie who are both on podcasts that I listen to. And a lot of what I'm going to say after this point is pulled from them and especially from Marty, like all of the points about priesthood are directly from his podcast. So I don't want to plagiarize. but I'm not that smart to come up with all my own material, so here we go. I'm giving you other people's material that's just really good. <laughs> so let's take a look at First Peter 2.9. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Priesthood is all about a mission and doing what God has called Abraham to do way back in Genesis when he said that all nations are going to be blessed through you. Yes, way in a future place from that, that meant that Jesus was going to come through the line of Abraham. But that wouldn't have been what Abraham was thinking. That wouldn't have been necessarily like what the Israelites were thinking because it had a meaning For them right there and that they're going to bless the people around them so Abraham was given this mission Israel was given this mission he gives it to them again in um, Leviticus well actually he gives them that in Exodus and then expands on it in Leviticus and then as the church we're also given the same message we're partnering with God to put him on display and to put the world back together again that's been God's mission. That's been a story from the beginning to the end, and we're living that out right here where we are. Now, Peter is assuming that his audience knows the Exodus story, knows all the laws of Leviticus, because they would have had to have memorized the whole Torah, which is the five first five books of the Bible where Leviticus ends. I'm assuming we don't have that kind of understanding. And so when we hear that we're called to be a priesthood and this um, this great agency of people who are going to bless the world, we have no idea what that means. So we read um, this verse in 1 Peter, and we're like, "Woohoo! we are royal. That is super exciting. Like, everyone wants to be royalty. I want to live in light. Like, these all sound like good things that we just have no... Like, we're thinking the king and queen of England. We don't have any concept of what is actually being said. So to do that, we have to look into what Leviticus says. Leviticus is telling us a whole bunch of instructions that the priest has to follow so that he looks different, so that he looks set apart. And the rest of Israel is going to watch him so that they know how to do this to the nations around them. The rest of Israel needs to watch and learn the priest so that they can be the priest because God's not calling them to be a nation with a priest. He's calling them to be a nation of priests. They're going to watch and do. Now, if you have ever seen a picture of, like, the head priest in the desert, this guy looks ridiculous. So it's hot. It's dry. It's dusty. He is out there in, like, these big, heavy robes. They're full of jewels that are, you know, heavy and blingy, and he has tassels hanging all over. Okay, this is not how everyone else is dressing. Like, he's a weird duck, okay? He is, you know, out there going to the his own drummer, all right? But this is intentional. Like, God instructs him to dress that way. These are part of the rules that are laid out for the priest in Leviticus because he has to be noticeable. He has to be noticeably different so that the people know to follow him, mimic what he does, therefore acting like a priest to the nations all around them. God isn't just giving them rules because he's like, all right, I'm going to pick pigs to be super disgusting. I don't want you to eat them. It's really bad. Um, You can only wear one kind of material at a time, like no mixing cotton and nylon because we're just going to make that a sin. No, it has nothing to do with those things like being good or bad. It has everything to do with the people being different, and that's what God wants. He wants them to be different, set apart. (coughs) So the priest puts God on display. That's his job, okay? He's easy to recognize, and that's part of that, Like I said, it's not just like sins that people are doing. That's not what these rules are, but it's their set apartness. So God tells them, be holy because I am holy. But that word holy, we kind of twist in our own brain to mean be perfect. That's not actually what it is. Like I feel like it was translated in some version of the Bible somewhere, and it just stuck with everyone, but it wasn't even like a good translation because God wants you to kadosh, be holy, because he is, Kadosh, holy, and all that means is that he's different, like that priest wandering around dressed all kinds of crazy, he sticks out, and he's different, that's what us being holy means, we stick out, and we're different, we're set apart, God's different is that he's compassionate, he's slow to anger, he's abiding in love, okay, none of the other gods at that time, God's small g, like, fit into that at all. Okay, it's like it's wrath and ah, bring me this much wheat and this many goats and this many things or I will smite you. Okay, that's not what the God of Israel is like. He is different. So he wants his people to also be different. And we should stand out, put God on display. The second job of the priest is that he was to help the people navigate atonement. And now as soon as you hear the word atonement, you are probably shutting down your brain. You don't really understand what that means. It's pretty simple. It's just like this scary theological word that we put on being right with God. So the priest is in the temple. People know that they need to bring sacrifices because they did something wrong. So the the priest's job is to meet them like, "Okay, what what did you do? What are you coming for?" Oh, well, You brought a dove, and that was actually really bad, so you need to go back and get a lamb. Okay, so you come with the lamb. And then he explains to you what's happening at the altar. So he's telling you which sacrifice to bring, the right way for it to be offered, and then explaining the process to you. So that when you leave, you leave knowing that your conscience is cleaned and that you are made right with God he helps the people navigate atonement. So that is also our job. As priests, as Peter is telling us, we help the people around us navigate their atonement. We look different, we act different. Okay? Hopefully, people around you are going to see that and in their own time of crisis or questioning or going through a struggle with their spouse or their kids, they're going to come to you and ask. Okay? you then, your job, you're helping make people be right with God. We can, we can pray for people, we can serve people, and we should. We should definitely be doing all of those things. But when we have the opportunity to help people be right with God, you do that. That's also the job of the priest. Man, if the church just like, uh, if we just did this, instead of condemning people, we might have the kind of church that Acts looked like. like We don't live out the mission that we've been given. The third thing that the priest does is that he intercedes on behalf of others. So you have on one side God, in the middle you have the priests, and on the other side you have Israel. The priest is hearing from God what he's trying to get the people to understand, But then he's also hearing from the people and relaying that message back to God. He's standing in the gap. Okay, so now the priest does that for Israel. Again, Israel is watching the priests because then Israel is supposed to do that same job for the nations around them. So then you have God, Israel, the nations. Okay, we're always supposed to be doing what we see. And then the same thing happens for us as believers. Like, Jesus stands in that gap for us, yes. He's the only mediator we need between God and men, yes. But when someone doesn't know Jesus, that's your job. Jesus, you, the world around you, okay, we're interceding on behalf of others. Unfortunately, the church in America doesn't do a great job of this. We actually have a tendency to go out of our way make people know that they don't belong. You're a sinner. You don't belong here. Um you know, we don't like your sins. I'm not going to bake a cake for you. Like whatever it is, we go leaps and bounds to let people know that they're not welcome. They're not invited. They're not in. That's not our mission. That's not the heart of God. We're really happy to put on the hat and wear the t-shirt and support a good cause or whatever, but we're not really good at showing people that we love them. We're, we're not. We're good at telling them they don't belong and we don't want them in. Oh, man, it gets me fired up, that one does. <laughs> so we miss, We're we're missing God's story. That wasn't God's story in the beginning and it's not God's story now. That's not his intention for us. There's not an us and a them. Like we have created that. And we're feeding into our own narrative. And I can, without very many exceptions, guarantee that people who don't know Jesus know way more about what you're against than what you're for. And it should be completely the opposite. Completely the opposite. We say that we want people to get saved and we want them to fill this room, but we don't actually act like it. That's what interceding on behalf of others is. We should be pleading with God. God, please, I hope your grace is big enough to cover that person. God, if there is any loophole at all where that person gets in, like I want them in, that should be our heart pump. That should be the mission that we're embracing. People know all the things we're against, but they don't know the things that we're for. And then that means they don't know the things that God are for because we're his representation. We can can definitely do better on that one. And the fourth job of the priest is that he is to distribute resources to those in need. There's always going to be people that have an abundance and people that don't have enough. In Leviticus, it was the priest's job to take all of the resources that people brought. Some of them were for temple use, and some of them were for the priest to distribute to the people who didn't have. Does it start to sound a little bit like the church in Acts, where they brought all their things together? And it was distributed to people. That's the job that God gave the priests. We're his priest. That's what we should be doing. That should be the job of the church. So we have all of these programs that the government does because the church wasn't doing it. Okay? It was the job of the church. It's our job as the church. It's all in Leviticus. We just got to read our Bibles, people. We just got to do it. Okay. There's all kinds of things in there. Why do you think, we just read these laws and we think they don't apply to us because it doesn't make sense to us. So we read all the laws about only harvest this far in your field and make sure you leave this many rows and if you drop something don't pick it up, blah, 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 don't get it, skim over it, skip to the next thing. Okay, that's there because we're taking care of the poor, we're taking care of the widow, we're taking care of the orphan, we're providing for the alien. Okay, that's what the laws in Leviticus are telling us to do. You're not going to harvest the outside edges of your field because you're going to leave it there for someone else to gather and benefit from. And that's how they're going to survive. That's what that means. <laughs> and it, we're, it's filled with, with laws like that. And we just don't put in the time to like navigate what that actually means in real life. So that one's for free. You have to dig the rest out for yourself, okay? So Leviticus, that's your job this week and probably the rest of the year. (laughs) So we want to be people who do that. Oh, man, the mission has always, always been to partner with God to put the world back together again. And the priesthood shows us that we do that by serving others. All of those laws, it's all about serving others. All of Leviticus, okay, it's so that we learn how to serve others. It's countercultural. It's counter our feelings. Most days I don't get up and I'm like, I really feel like serving a lot of people today. What am I going to do about it? No, I I don't. I don't feel like it. But we're not living off our feelings. We're not going to look the same as everyone else because honestly, if we start like serving people that we know take advantage of us, Because there's no caveats in this, you know, um, you don't really like them. They're at your job and they don't do their part. Well, guess what? Pick up the slack because you're different. You represent someone different. Don't complain about it. I don't really like them so I'm not going to go the, you know, the extra mile for them. doesn't matter. There's no caveats that give you an excuse to not do something because of who the recipient is of it stand out be different go to work do the extra it's not your job okay do it anyways like that's what this means that's what being countercultural is It's doing what everyone else isn't doing because of who you belong to okay I read this or actually didn't read it I heard it this one is from Mike Erie this week on a podcast and it like shook my whole week Hospitality is when I come alongside someone in order to serve them. Self-righteousness is where I stand above someone in order to help them. Self-righteousness is the enemy of serving and hospitality. I literally think I could read that every hour of the day because we're probably going to be the only ones that know which of these two things we're doing. They're going to look a lot the same, but it has comes down to our heart and our motive. Because in one of these scenarios, we might get the applaud today, and, and that's it. That's the reward. But the other one, we're going to get the reward in heaven that lasts. So come alongside, serve, be hospitable. Don't just stand above someone to help. Okay, they're not the same. It has to do very much with the posture of our heart. This would be a lot easier for us to do if we all got to the place where we see all people, okay, whether they love Jesus or not, okay, if we see all people as image bearers and we're all in process together and when we're sitting in a room together, I'm the greatest sinner. It's really easy to point out what everyone else is doing, but if we got to the place where we recognize that we're all in this thing together, we're all in the same process, some of us are in the part of the process where we don't yet know Jesus, some of us are in the part of the process where we've been walking with Jesus for 50 years, but we're all in the process together. doesn't matter if I like you, it doesn't matter if I don't like you, it doesn't matter if you have done something grievous against me, we all bear God's image and we're all in the process. What we tend to do is build an institution, we slap church on the window outside and we get together because we like the same kind of music or we like the person that's speaking but as soon as someone walks in who disagrees with our preferred idea about any topic, we can't be in fellowship with them. <laughs> like we're built on something so shallow that we can't disagree on a political candidate. We can't disagree on like a style of music. Our foundation is crumbly, but, but we want it to grow. We want it to be big but we don't have that connection. We don't come to the table with people who are different and and serve them. We pick and choose who we are gonna serve based on if they agree with all our things or not. We have to be built on something stronger than that. It's not God's story. We wanna be telling his story and not our own narrative. So then we get to Mark 30 and 31. We we all probably have this memorized. Okay. I wrote out some extra verses that I'm not going to read, so I just have to find where we are. Okay. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. So that's from Leviticus. If we look at Leviticus 19. We'll see at the end of the verse, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. It's not an admonition to love yourself more so that then you can love your neighbor. I've actually heard really horrible sermons where like based on how many billions of dollars we spend on cosmetics every year that we don't actually love ourselves that much. So we don't have to love our neighbor that much That's not what this says. That's like complete rubbish that, you know, that's just trying to get out of doing your job, okay? It's already assuming that you love yourself. So because you love yourself, love your neighbor as yourself. Biblical love is not about acceptance. It's about action. It's not accepting. It's you acting. Okay, I know that you love yourself. I know that I love myself because when I'm hungry, I spend money, time, effort. I prepare food. I go to a restaurant. I, I do something. I feed myself. Okay? And I don't even really think about it. I'm like, hmm, tummy grumble. Let me go to the cupboard. Okay? It's, it's not even something I think about. It just naturally happens. I feed myself. I'm cold. It's a little bit chilly in here. If I was at my house, I would have went and put pants on by now. Okay, like I contemplated stealing Jody's shawl and covering my legs with it up here. Okay, it's cold. When you're cold, you do something about it. You go and you get a blanket. You go and you put on some other clothes. You go, you turn up your heater. You don't really think about it. You just are like, you feel it and you go and you do it. You don't like sit there and have a debate. Mm, Should I be warm? Should I not be warm? Uh, I don't know. Okay, you don't do that. You just subconsciously go and do it. When you're naked, you put clothes on. You just go and do it. You don't think about getting out of the shower and just going to work like that. Like the thought doesn't even cross your mind. It's crazy town. Okay, if it does, please see someone afterwards. Pastor Tom will help you. (laughs) Okay, so loving your neighbor looks like that. Loving your neighbor is simply looking at the people around you. Okay, this is the ones you like, the ones you don't like, the ones you know, the ones you don't know and you take the same effort you would spend on yourself to make sure that their needs are met. There is nothing about approving, accepting, being taken advantage of, or even liking before you look out for the needs of other people. See a need, fill it. Boom, the end. Like, that's what God's asking you to do. Serving others demands that I am able to sit with those I agree with and those I don't, and look after their needs with equal intensity. I might be like a little bit more excited about looking after the needs of my grandma, okay? Because I know her and I love her than I am with someone that I strongly disagree with that lives across the street from me, okay? One is easier than the other, but we're not excused from the other, okay? Our feelings, Don't matter. It's not about our feelings. There's a deep, deep unlearning that we have to do in order to tell God's story and not our own. In closing, I just have some questions for us to ponder. Going back to the whole priesthood role thing. One, do we put God on display Or do we look the same as everyone else? If we were in a lineup for some reason, don't do it, but, you know, it could happen. But if we were, do you look any different than anyone else? Is there anything that's going to set you apart from anyone else? Two, do we help explain to people that they can be in right standing with God? Do we explain to people how they can be right with God? do we intercede on behalf of others? And four, do we distribute resources to those in need? Are we examining our lives for places where we have abundance and making sure that we're sharing all that we have? Or do we collect, do we hoard, do we have a storeroom full of things, okay, that we might need someday? You might need it today. like you might need to give it to someone else because they don't have something. I'm a getter redderer. okay, so this is for everyone else that just keeps stuff stacked up in their house. <laughs> I live with one of those people. Every time I get rid of something, he brings it back in. <laughs> Let's just get rid of get rid of all the things. It's freeing. Okay, that one? I don't know. Do what you want with that one. Okay going to have two action steps. The first one, we're actually going to do after the second one, but I'll tell it to you now, okay? We're going to take some moments and just ask Holy Spirit to show us one place where he wants us to partner with God this week to restore what sin has broken. Okay, simply put, where can we, who can we serve, what can we do this week? The second one is the easiest one, okay? Because all you have to do is get on your email or get your scanner code out and pull up all the opportunities that you have to sign up to serve in church. Okay, there's nobody who shouldn't be doing something. Everybody can open a door. There's jobs that are really easy. Open a door rock a baby, okay? There's something that you can do. Maybe you don't really, like, feel like you know how to do that much but, you know, you're young and you're able and you can help load and unload, okay? All this stuff doesn't just stay here all week. It has to get here from somewhere and someone has to get it here. Maybe you're built like a bouncer and have lots of patience because we need crowd control with the elementary kids. Just keep them from escaping out the door. Like that's all you have to do. We're not, you don't have to like get up in front and teach them, just be a bouncer. We need bouncers, okay? I mean, it's a serious job because one of mine escaped in here earlier today. (laughs) Like, I mean, they're squirrely. Some of them are feral, like it's an important job. Someone has to do it. Maybe you like technology. Maybe you're not even sure what you think about Jesus yet, or maybe you feel like you're faking it, but you like making videos. Someone has to make video announcements, okay? You don't have to, like, really, like, even, you can still be floundering and thinking to do some of these things. You can run a camera, push a button to go through the slides. Like, maybe you love sound. Sound is your thing, and you used to do it, But uh, you you don't anymore. You just, you, for whatever reason. Okay, we need people that do sound. If you know how to, that's amazing because I don't know how to. Lots of people don't know how to. But if you do, it's way easier to like train you on a new machine than train my ears to work because they don't. That's why I don't sing up here. But maybe you can. Maybe you can play an instrument. No matter what your thing is, I promise you, no matter what your thing is, what your ability is, we have a place where you can get plugged in and serve here. So let's just go back to that first thing. Ask, or maybe it was the second. Yeah, it was the second thing that I started with as the first thing. See, I've confused myself. But let's go back to that thing. (laughs) And let's pray and ask Jesus. Just show us. Holy Spirit, show us what you would have us to do this week, who you would have us to serve, what you would have us to do. Father God, we just thank you that you love us so much, and that you you don't leave us. You didn't leave us where you met us, and you're not going to leave anyone else where you've met them either. God, I thank you that you've given us this mission from the beginning with Abraham to when Jesus comes back, God, that our mission is the same, to serve people well, okay, and the byproduct of that is that people get to know you, that people will get saved. We want to skip the serving part. Jesus, I pray that you would just be changing our hearts. Change our hearts, God. Give us hearts that want to serve people, that want to love the unlovable. God, that we wouldn't be people that just do whatever we feel like doing, that we don't live off of our feelings, but that we live off of the words that you give us, that we live to please you, to partner with you. God, that we live to partner with you to put the world back together. Jesus, show each one of us this week one person, one thing, one neighbor that we can come alongside and serve. We just love you, Jesus. Thank you that we have the opportunity to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. I've loved having our different leaders share with you these core values over the last several weeks because serving others is not just something we do. We want it as a church to be something we are. Uh, We want that to be a part of our, our nature, a part of our personality. And so what a great challenge that from the beginning of the story with Abraham all the way through, God's been saying the same thing. I want you to put me on display. I want you to be blessed to be a... Blessing. And so, what a great challenge. I want to encourage you not to rush out. If you haven't spent, if the Lord hasn't put something on your mind, something that you need to do or change this week, take a few moments after we dismiss and just wait for Him to put that in your heart before you rush out. If you don't have a copy of the ministry registration form that was mailed out to you, or you don't have that QR code, You're in luck because on the table out in the lobby, we have some extra ones. And so you can either scan the QR code and fill it out online or you can grab a pen on that table and you can fill it out in person. But I'd encourage you before you leave the building today, take some time to fill that out. uh, Otherwise, it is just going to get pushed to the back. And just like me, you'll probably forget about it and it won't get filled out. But we want to get ready on the. The new schedule coming out soon for July and August, our new ministry schedule. And uh, we want to make sure that we have everyone plugged into where they want to be so we can get those out. So please make sure you stop by the table. If you're a guest, please make sure you stop by the table as well. We've got a gift for you and we want to make sure we get one of those to you. And so otherwise, when you are ready to be dismissed, feel free to go. Thanks for being here today. God bless you as you go.